Hello and welcome to Pod Songs, where we interview inspirational people in service to others as inspiration for a new song. Today, my co-host and musical collaborator is William Clapson, aka Jack in Water, and his guest is TikTok sustainability star Martin Odell, aka the Lagom Chef. Master hey. William. How's it going? How's it going? Very well, you? I'm great, mate, yeah. You're father now? I am. I joy was going to surprise you, but... Uh... <laughs> How's it going? It's going well. Well, you inspired me last time, and I thought, you know, this guy looks so happy with a kid, making such great music. I need to do that. Oh, well, thank you very yeah. much. And I, I bought the book, too. Oh, yeah. It's good, right? Yeah, it is real. I'm not quite at that stage yet. I mean, he's still, uh, he's only seven months old, so. Yeah. But I'm studying in advance. I want to be well prepared for all these eventualities, which we yes. <laughs> And what about you? How, how are you? How is your parenthood going? Yeah, it's good. She's 15 months. Well, nearly 16 months now. Okay. But walk in and just starting to think about talking. Mm, into the danger right. territory. Yeah, ter terrible twos. Yeah. Exactly. She's like, if you. She gets. She doesn't. She's not allowed to do anything. She doesn't want to. She wants to do. She gets furious, pretty much. Wow. Yeah, that's the toughest thing about it. It's lots of lots of tantrums, but it's important. But are you it's using just techniques? I am. I'm trying. <laughs> Sometimes it's diff, more difficult than other times, but yeah. That's like being. You know, you've been trained, had your basic training, and then you drop behind enemy lines with no sleep, and, yeah. you know, and you're supposed to remember which. Send outside of the gun, end of the gun to shoot out, and yeah, exactly. Yeah, have you? You've been so busy. You managed to. That's also inspiring. Is because you know I, I've had pod songs to do, but um, yeah, you managed to keep churning stuff out. I mean, still managed. I did. I recorded a bunch pre-baby in ah, sort of pre okay. preparation. So I had a few things <laughs> just in case. But then yeah, just carried on where I could. Prep started. Yeah, prepared. Yeah. My maison class, is, is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. It's good, brings us back to brings us into cooking, which we'll be talking about later. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, but I love the Christmas album. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, no, it was fun to do. Like, I haven't done, I've wanted to release a Christmas song for a long time. And this just made sense this time. Yeah, I know. It's beautifully put together, as all your stuff is always. Oh, thank you. How's it all going with with uh, with Pudsing? It's going great. I mean, it's a two year old, so it's yeah, it's uh, it doesn't you can't get it to do anything it won't want to do, and um, you know, it does. It has tantrums, and but yeah, no, it's great. I'm really so I've I've got a backlog of episodes where I I just still did myself where I'm I'm still um, the artist, but now I'm going for 100 percent guest artists, and uh, yeah, you're you're actually the first guest to come back on for the second helping oh wow what a, what a privilege yes it is well it went so smoothly the last collaboration <laughs> i mean you you virtually did everything uh, yeah i'm not not great at, at co-writing no but you collaborate with so i've checked out your other um you've collaborated a lot is that since recently or um no i think since um when when i signed the record deal i one of the reasons i wanted to wanted access to other co-writers probably wouldn't whose managers probably wouldn't bother with me uh -huh. but free label so i kind of just like 
used all the, the contacts I could to do as many collaborations as possible. That's slowed down now that I've gone back to independent, but it's, uh, it's something I just kind of like an ambition of mine to collaborate with a lot of people. Okay. So you went through the roster. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Met all the co-writers and producers I could while I had a label attached to me. Is um, that what you chose that particular label is? Cause you liked all the other artists. Yeah. I, I, the, I've always liked them as a label in general. Um, and I had like friends that signed. What's the label that's given a bit of promotion? Uh, network. Network. Yeah. Based in Canada, but now they've got like offices all over the world. Um, um, yeah, they they are a great label. Okay, with yeah. some great artists. What's the what's your favorite collaboration so far you've done? Not that you could, they're all good, but uh, what are some what are some highlights? Probably my, I mean, it was pretty special getting to write with Justin Parker. Was um, I wrote a song called "For You" with him, and he has been one of my like songwriting heroes. He's done stuff with like Lana Del Rey and Bat for Lashes, a huge Rihanna song. Like he's done these big like pop hits, but he always. He's, he's the guy from Lincolnshire, from Lincoln. I think he's from Lincolnshire. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like, that's, I should know where it's from, but I don't. Um, but yeah, he, uh, he's been, he was like a, a kind of a bucket list. And wow. thankfully got to work with him. That was, um, that was fun. Um, and then just actually working with other artists like Alaskan Tapes um, and Last Dinosaur, sort of two, two of my favorite artists that have become friends. And so then it's been kind of, yeah, they're big highlights for me. Because you're on this island in Mallorca. On Mallorca. I am, in the, in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite bad. I'm in the south of Italy, yeah. which is virtually, it's a cultural island. Let's put it that way. There's not much. yeah. yeah. There's not much going on around here. There's no distractions, yeah. put it that way. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. There must be more going on on Mallorca. Yeah. We're, I mean, right now we're living with um, my mother-in-law, but we're moving to the city again. Okay. In a month. Um, we've been renovating a house, but yeah, it's, in the city is pretty, like there's a lot going on. It's like a tiny, tiny city, mm-hmm. which is... And you can get to the beach, you can get to the mountains and get to a forest in like 15 minutes drive. So it's the ideal for, for me. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, like the, I like the, we've got the countryside here, but even then we're not on quite a mountain. So if you, if you want to go to the beach, you have to drive. You want to go into town, yeah. you have to drive. You want to go for a walk, you have to drive because there's no yeah. paths and you know, it's just the main road is just there and on a steep hill. Yeah. So, yeah. That's. You can be so near, but so far it's also in the town. It's important to be, to pick the right location. So I'm sure you yeah. have. Well, I hope so. I so. Yeah. No, but that's Justin Parker. That's great. I mean, I remember him now. Yeah. He's from, he's from Lincoln and, uh, yeah. Lana Del, Lana Del Rey fame is, uh, yeah. so how did that go? I mean, that's, did you, did you collaborate by zoom or? No, that was, uh, it was in person. That was before, um, pre baby. Okay. I basically would just go to, I'd do like two weeks trips and fit in as many like co-writers as I could and so gigs and stuff um, and so now I collaborated with him in in his house in London um he's got like a a room that he writes out of and had two days with him and wrote a song it was really it was it was special like I, I feel like just some people have got like a certain specifically him with piano and kind of ballad chords he just has mm-hmm. a way with it that it just feels like 
I don't know. It just, it was just one of those like special guys that mm-hmm. just seems to have like a, a niche and just really, really nails it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, he made Lana, you know, together with Lana Del Rey, they their, their chemistry made her career. I mean, that's yeah. launched then with that, with those songs. And that's, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, I've also was speaking to um, Alex Siegel, who wrote, uh, was Dan Siegel's son. I've yeah. been in touch with him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did he mention oh, him yeah. in the show? Do you remember that? Or Yeah, I think cause he's, in, he's a musician, right? Yeah. 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 He's, yeah, no, I think we did talk about talk about him. It was a long time ago. Yeah. And I, and I don't listen back to the shows because I'm too busy <laughs> making new ones. So, No, but I do remember him talking about like him being a musician. Okay. Well, For he sure. must be a well-balanced person otherwise um, because of yeah. product of psychology. Yeah. yeah, but I'm also collaborating. I mean, I love it. It's just so... Yeah. Because I really get in, in the rut as a songwriter. I mean, I use the same four chords. Same melodies, yeah. yeah. The band, the musicians we work with, they mix it up and change, make it more, make me much more interesting. And they kind of cover, you know, oh, that's well, you, you've done this before, we'll make it into a reggae song, <laughs> you know, and things like that. But yeah, this whole collaboration thing is just, oh, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it must actually, be cool. I actually want a favor. I'd like to duet with you on this one. I'd love to do vocals with you. Maybe just. Oh yeah, for sure. Do a little verse. You could slip me in a little somewhere. I'll be. Of course. Yeah. Obvious. We make it more um, of a co-write than it was last time. Or at least a collab. Yeah. Well, you're too fast. You got ahead of me before I could. Um... But actually, I because I, I write a song straight after the interview. And so after we got the did the interview, I, I, I think I sent you my song, but you'd already finished yours. And so what I did was I recorded it anyway because I really yeah. liked it. And I got on one of his colleagues to come on and do the interview, do another interview. And instead of writing a song for her, I kind of sneakily used the song that I written for Dan. Awesome. She, she was, she took it well, but, um, yeah, I, I should have just written, well, I'm going to get her back and write a proper song for her, but mm. I just need an excuse. And she's also. You know, she's the mindfulness coach and she's, yeah. Um, yeah, it was Diana, Diana Winston. And she is a famous psychologist as well. Yeah. In her own right. Yeah. But his song came out great. It was a, a hose through which love flows, which was that Santana quote that he talked yeah. about. So, you know, I had all his, um, you know, his lyrics and the chorus was, you know, I'm a hose through which love flows. Do you, like, I was going to ask a question, like when you're doing you must have got like into sort of some sort of process i guess now you're a small collaboration but before when you were you were writing the songs is there have you found that it changes how you question like what questions you ask guests well so now i've completely i'm i've stepped myself out of the picture i'm talking to you for half an hour but then when the guest comes on you you take over and you yeah. do all the chatting because also that's it makes for it because People used to come for the songs, you know, but now they they're staying for the conversations because they get to see the guests through the eyes of a fan. Yeah. And so, someone who's super interested in them, and even though I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm an okay interviewer, I can never get to that level of excitement and interest. So every week now, we're getting people who are just obsessed with somebody 
and yeah. they just ha- happen to be musicians who happen to write a song at the end of it and that's kind of like you know the cherry on the cake you know but um having because we're talking now to to martin odell the legom chef who yeah. i haven't heard of before but uh i've been checking him out and uh he's a he's a live wire he is a funny guy um, <laughs> i feel like he's one of those people that's like built to be a kind of a, a personality somewhere which obviously is why it's done so well on TikTok, but also like a great chef from like, and has gives great tips and just has a great energy and an approach. I think like food waste is something people talk about a lot, but yeah, I think he gives very practical approaches to to that. And I think, um, I don't know, I've always been massively into food. And so mainly if I watch any content on YouTube or TikTok, whatever, it's always food. And so like, there's a few people that kind of seem to come to the top and he's he's one of them so mm. i'm super pumped to get to get the chat to him i've it's been funny. boring my wife for days just oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's funny that because your first episode was about psychology and your second episode is about food and 90 percent of the musicians i talk to either want to talk about psychology or food yeah so, so we could probably analyze psychoanalyze you about what the link is and you're you, you know you're using food to cheer yourself up or, or some some oh, yeah <laughs> no, there definitely is. There's definitely a link. Like, I think food is one of those strange things where, because I see it as kind of a, an an art form, like painting or music. But then okay. it's also everyone needs to eat. Like, it's mm-hmm. so it's like that's what makes it special compared to any other art form. And also, it's, it can be not an art form. It could just be like very practical and like unexciting. But then it can be this like I, don't know, I find it really exciting as a as a topic and as a thing and then psychology as well is like it just explains sort of human behavior and interaction but look um, oh yeah i guess it's strange isn't it i don't know what that is there was was a tiktok channel with a a psychological chef now you're in this mood maybe they could combine and they'd be the number one in tiktok they would be yeah but he's a he would be a dream flatmate now i mean he's so He's so in, uh, happy. Yeah. And he cooks all the time because I come talking to my, my girlfriend before the show and, you know, we really, neither of us are, neither of us enjoy cooking at all. Yeah. And so we end up eating the same thing. You know, we, we leave it, we leave it till the last minute, you know, we get so hungry and because we don't want to do it. And then we get so hungry that we just, we cook something in half an hour and then it's the same thing that we've been eating for weeks and yeah, yeah. so boring you know also i'm in italy and that's really i've become a, you know this is basically a mono diet i know people go cool. on about italian food being amazing but it's a lot of beige food and flour and i'm really bored of it you know but i've got yeah. no other you know like if i should really be overcome it by you know, making interesting food, you know, from around the world, like Mexico, Indian, or whatever, but I'm too busy with a podcast. And... Yeah. So are you, uh, are you the kind of guy that's, uh, you know, rushes into the kitchen and preps everything? I am pretty excited about food. Like it's, I'd, it's probably, I'm more passionate about food than I am about music, probably in the sense that like, <laughs> I like, I love making music. I listen to a lot of music, but I wouldn't say like, I, I listen to lots of kinds of music mm-hmm. and I, I'm not kind of, I wouldn't go out of my way to like find new music and stuff in a way, whereas I would do with food. Like I find it very. Wow. Uh, you're in the wrong uh, business then. 
Yeah, I know. Like I do, but also I think I'd be even fatter than I am if I was like, I don't, I don't <laughs> have a very good, I'm not, haven't got very good control. Whereas music generally doesn't have any impact on your health. Whereas I feel like I, um, hmm. the fact that, that I'm not, yeah. not like cooking and eating all the time, it's probably a good thing for me because I, I haven't balanced it very well with lots of exercise or movement. So, um, well, you- I mean, you picked this chef. I, uh, the first thing I saw him was he was frying butter in bacon to make a hollandaise sauce. The most fatty, like... It's true. Like, there is, yeah, he does. Um, but then he has a lot of, like, things. I feel like what I've come to realize is that there aren't any, like, specific foods that are kind of bad for you, necessarily. I think it's just about <laughs> yeah. how much you eat of them. Like, mm-hmm. um, and... I don't know. I think people are often scared of like butter or like things like that. And I think, yeah, I, don't I mean, know. I say, I'm I say that as a, yeah. as a, as someone who is probably, could probably lose some weight and be a bit healthier with their eating habits. But yeah, I just love food a, a lot. I did that uh, butter coffee diet for quite a while, you know, you know, the one where you, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Oh, it's really good. Yeah. You, um, you start the day. So you have all your fat. Well, I'm not going to go into it too much, but, um, you you put in a lot of butter in your coffee. Yeah. yeah. What does it taste like? I've never even tried. Absolutely delicious. Yeah. Absolutely. Really? Absolutely super creamy. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like, you're not, supposed any, not supposed to have any more fat during the day. And yeah. Then it teaches you to be, um, oh, what's the word? Like um, fat burning or, uh, yeah. Yeah. Put some MCT oil in as well. What's MCT oil? MCT is like, um, it's from a coconut extract. So it goes into a ketogenic. Yeah. 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 I've also experimented with it as you do, you know, you get into these things, but uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. but you really have a, you're really up for that. If you want to have an energetic morning yeah, and get, you know, you just burn through things because after when you're eating, uh, you need a bit of digestion time. Yeah. yeah. Particularly if you've had a, a proper feed with this you know you're you have a big evacuation then you're ready to go yeah, yeah. you've just drunk a liter of coffee so no, it's, fantastic. Well, it's fantastic give it a try you well, put it in a put it in a blender yeah dump it some butter yeah wow no i'm definitely i'm definitely gonna try it like yeah it's for losing weight it's very good yeah 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 no but because like, the only things that ever worked for me for like losing weight or maintaining weight is it's intermittent fasting it's so not basically that because you start you yeah you you don't um you stay in a ketogenic state in the morning so you don't break your technically you don't break your fast in the morning because you're not taking on carbs so your body doesn't yeah. switch to the mm. well check it out yeah do it and it's also it does taste great and uh, yeah you get to drink coffee and butter which is probably two of the best foods yeah i've never as but I'm annoyed that I haven't had it, so I'm going to definitely. <laughs> You're in a highly suggestible state. I should be careful what I say to you. Yeah, you should. I'll, I'll, I'll do anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it wasn't. It's interesting because I've actually done this before, like fresh. And now that I, it would change. Like, so I've, I've interviewed people before, but like, um, it, normally I'm not worrying about like. The outcome of the questions and I, was, I found myself thinking like oh there's lots of questions i'd like to ask but it wouldn't necessarily lead us i'll 
I wasn't sure whether it would lead itself to, um, to content that would work well in the context of a song. And then I kind of, I stopped worrying about it so much and just decided I'd write questions that I would find interesting. Um, mm. but that's what I was trying to get was like, is, did you find that that changed for you? Like how are you, when you were questioning like people? Well, I think the best, the best interviews where you don't ask questions because you know, if, if he comes around to your house, you'd be very worried about the food to cook because yeah. he's your chef, you know, you wouldn't, but you wouldn't have a list of cue cards next to the napkin in case the conversation yeah. runs dry because there's a bottle of red wine on the table and uh, everyone, you have trouble shutting everyone up basically. So yeah, just, yeah, it'll just be a talk. I mean, do you know much about him outside of his? Uh, no, not really. There's not like, I tried to look at, um, I, I know that he's not outside of TikTok, not much, no. Like other than he's got some stuff available on his website and uh, yeah, no, so um, it'd be good. I guess it would be nice to know like a bit about his background personally. Yeah. But I, I always wonder like worry with podcasts like how it, to not for it, to not become self indulgent for me. Um, <laughs> I guess like mostly would have similar questions probably. Yeah, if well, they're, they're interested. You know, he's quite yeah. new. He's quite new to. Um, how long has he been doing it? I mean. I mean, he's been a chef for, I think, about 15 years, but in TikTok, what, the TikTok world, I think he's, I mean, it's about a year or two, I think. Like, right. Um, but he's like, yeah, I think blown up quite fast. I see that. as He was on a huge uh, billboard campaign around the country in England. And, yeah. You know, and I think he's on this Sunday, he's on um, Sunday Brunch, which right. is like a, like a big, big TV show in, in the UK. Yeah. Mm. Um, your big big deal and so now he's coming, getting, coming we're getting in early you know we're getting exactly in yeah i feel like he still seems very surprised that people like are into him like, i think it during the remote change he was like oh it's weird having fans mm -hmm. um, so i think yeah caught him before he's inaccessible actually because yeah, because you just you just think you know it's the same to me now because i'm sitting here in my spare room you know you're sitting there um we're speaking to the void you know it's strange that people will be listening back to this conversation uh, yeah, for years, for years to come, and you know he's in he's in his kitchen with his phone propped up there, being silly and cooking, cooking up, having fun cooking. Um, that you upload that, you edit it a little bit, and then upload it, and then you know hundreds of thousands of millions of people see it. Yeah, yeah, you don't really get used to that, no. No, no I don't know. It is a strange thing, like because yeah, you're not really seeing the, I guess the the reach that it's having, mm -hmm. other than some numbers. Um, but it is a strange phenomenon itself because as musicians you know we can get on stage and if we need a bit of a boost for feeling a bit low you can get on stage and play to a crowd and yeah get a little bit of love that way but for a chef you're stuck even if you have a famous restaurant you're still in the back room you know in a in a super hot furnace ventilator no, people screaming i guess the equivalent is like those food festivals where people do like live cooking in front of an audience um but even then it's a different thing because you're kind of normally teaching as opposed to just here's here's me um it's yeah. a strange look yeah would no, you like true. to get on, you'd like to get on one of those tv cooking shows you know those amateur ones where they bring people on and ah, i'd like the idea of it but i am i get very stressed and i think like i'd be worried that i'd just behave i'd yeah 
but hey, how in a way that I'd regret, like <laughs> thinking like, hi, that's what I like cooking in a like low stress environment. I think that's why I've never gone into like, because I know that I wouldn't be able to handle it. And I'd be one of those like horrible chefs that shouts at people probably <laughs> um, being under the, under the pressure. So I've heard people say that working in a restaurant was the worst job they ever had working in the kitchen was yeah. the most stressful job they have ever had. No, it does. Like, I mean, I've worked, I've like washed up and oh, done yeah. like, um, made desserts and like pubs stuff. And even that was like, just seeing the chefs, like it's a, it's a strange culture of mm-hmm. something I was hoping to ask him really like this. Cause it is a strange, it's a weird, I guess every industry has this like dark culture of like obsessive nature and like, um, but food in particular, I think is one that we're, I don't know, it just seems horrible. The way they're always, it's always like um, shown on TV and films and like, I don't know, it just seems like, why would you ever want to work in a kitchen? Like, mm-hmm. um, yeah. really? <laughs> the <thing> to me. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I think that's why I like uh, this kind of, there's a new way to be, uh, I guess, a successful chef or earn money from like, so you, you can make, I don't know, YouTube videos or like, immediately, you don't have to, which I think is cool, right? Because... Mm-hmm. You're still, te- you're still like offering a service. You're still entertaining people or giving people these food experiences, but without having to work in a horrible hot kitchen with the head chef shouting at you. Yeah. 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 Maybe that, maybe he had 15 years of that and that's what made him the, you know, he's, he's, he's tested in the fires and now he has all these, yeah. experience, all these recipes. Maybe he's gone through it. So we don't have to. Yeah, exactly. No, I always find, I'm always a bit of a, a fanboy with with chefs like a, any kind of <laughs> any restaurant that i've got into or i've like followed chefs like i turned like there's something probably more like become more obsessive with chefs and i have like musicians that i kind of admire um so i always find funny about this show is because you know the as musicians you know they're all again i'm speaking to more and more famous people and they're you know they're the idols you know but really that but they in their private life they idolize someone else and it's yeah. funny to you know, to, to to go about bird watching and learn about it from a from a famous musician and why, why it's so cool and he wish he could be doing that all day or 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 the opposite like hunting. Yeah, um, but yeah, but you're well, maybe Martin's really into um I don't know sewing or something. That's what he's, yeah, <laughs> some big sewing heroes. I should if I was really at an artistic podcast, I'd get the next him to interview somebody else to interview someone else. Do Imagine that, just yeah. a. Like a, eventually it would come back round. Yeah. To someone who idolizes you. Seven degrees yeah. of uh, William Clapson. Yeah. But what kind of song are we going to make? Because he is very upbeat. He is. It's a, true. You know, and your music is more on the melancholy the, side. The opposite of upbeat. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I'm sure that he has moments of reflective. <laughs> be manic I mean, depressive, yeah. you know. Some of these yeah. people are right, do give that they come up for the show yeah. and afterwards they're crying in the cupboard exactly and i think there's a way of getting energy into a song without it necessarily being upbeat mm. i mean that could be a a, a a challenge would be to set an above certain tempo um rather than sticking but to like 110 which was normally <laughs> like i'm a sweet spot for the tempos of a song what's the, fastest, like, what's the fastest you've ever gone Oh, well, the album that I'm working on now, there's one that's at 150. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like, 
that's too, that's already, I'm already considering slowing it down, but probably like the fastest, <laughs> 130, maybe, well, mm-hmm. 130 is probably about the fastest I've thrilled. Yeah. I don't like going, I think because I naturally, I never, whenever I write music, it's without other people. Um, yeah. And that's like my, my tempo falls between one, 105 and 115 generally. That's my natural, <laughs> that's my heartbeat or something. Yeah. Yeah. Even very high heartbeat. Yeah. You need to. I should probably start eating <laughs> so much food. <laughs> they say if you can get in the rhythm of the heart, about 70 BPM is supposed to be a good as well 60 that's a good yeah, yeah. well that's but really no, I mean, slow that's really slow but maybe you know i mean he it's like a chef you know he um and he has to do the main course and he has to do you know something spicy get you going and then or some appetizers but you know then there's dessert and then there's the after thing so you know this this music could be the after meal yeah well that's even then just thinking about thinking about the structure of the song in terms of like a, a tasting menu or like a like a traditional Mm-hmm. You know, start a main course dessert menu is that you could, uh, I don't know, structure the song in a way that isn't just like verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It could mm-hmm. be like, a, yeah, I like that idea. Maybe that's but, something to. There we go. But also lyrically, let's not do Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody. I mean, let's, uh, no, let's, uh, but I mean, also lyrically, are we going to sing about food or are we? Who knows? I guess that's the thing. That's the thing I found most that like when I was thinking about, um, because I, th- I think I thought when I last was on, I'd thought about like, um, I was looking for a, a chef through like the list of people that, and then when I got to you, I was like, it's operating in food. And it's like, oh, food never feels like singing about food doesn't feel, um, or I've never sung about food in a song that I've written. And it feels, it feels very, when I think about it, I think of something like a, like I'm writing an instructional song for a child or something like a, so an actual yeah, recipe. Yeah. It'd be interesting. Whereas I feel like psychological stuff is, feels very straightforward to like write a song or, um, I guess well, it, m- most songs are about psychology, you know, about, you know, exactly. So no, I have no idea. I have no idea. Um, I feel like I, I, I will resist some kind of, um, instructional comedy song, but I maybe, so, yeah. What's can I, can you name one song about food? The first one against it was Milkshake by, um, <laughs> what's the name? Kelly. Is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's not even really like she's using it as a euphemism, right? <laughs> I don't understand. Is she? I mean, I assume so. Oh, she's just got delicious milkshake that she makes. I thought that's what it was about. Yeah. Can't think of anything like any other song. There must be one. Yeah. Um, I feel mentioned. People mention coffee a lot in songs. There must be a playlist of songs about food on your Spotify or yeah. something like that. But yeah, anyway, be. I think it's... yeah, I'm sure the the subject will come from itself, and that's also what I like about this is that you know maybe you maybe you you have a dream in the night and you wake up with yeah. it, some ideas about this kind of related to the to the subject, but it doesn't uh, doesn't actually have to be literally about any food item. Yeah, that's no, true. Got it. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. I'm in. You're in. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you. Your, your microphone sounds amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> I have to have a good one. So welcome to the show. This is uh, this is William. Hello, mate. 
Hello, nice to meet you. You too, buddy. How's things? Yeah, very well. Very good. Well. Good. Let me know if my son's screaming a bit loud. He's playing in the other room. So if it's too noisy, let me know. Well, I think we all have kids in the other room. So okay, yeah, we're <laughs> in the same stage in life. <laughs> good stuff. Great. Well, William's a huge fan of your of your channel and your work. So I'm just going to let him go while my stomach yeah. gurgles in the background. Yeah, nice. <laughs> It's, it's weird, right? Because you said you, you sounded surprised that you had fans when we like when we were emailing before. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that something that's new? Like that's weird to get used to. Very, very weird. Yeah. I, I the thing is like I, I've been doing I had my social media, like my Instagram for like two years prior and it just nothing was happening, nothing was clicking. I was and then all of a sudden my TikTok just went off. And then all of a sudden people become like really like into you. And I was just like God, it's a bit of pressure. Like there is a lot of pressure. I'll, I'll talk about it later, but you get like a lot of messages from people over like love or some really sort of like deep sharing that you're like, fuck, I'm a bit like a shrink now. It's like, it yeah. becomes hard, but it's, it's amazing. And yeah, people look at you weird now on the train. Like people sort of like second guess you. And you're like, I'm real. You can say it right if you want. <laughs> yeah, I guess that must be weird, right? Because it's cool that you do you make it feel like quite accessible to, to talk to you. Like you can just go and email you, whatever. Yeah. Is that, does that feel a bit exhausting now? Like, is it probably fine when it was like, you had 5,000 people following you, but is it, is it a lot of your day replying to people? It is, it is. But I, 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 I've always had this in my head about social media. Like if you do social media, it's social. You've got to be social on it. Otherwise you're just putting videos out there for no reason. And I've always been sort of like, I love teaching. I've always cared. So, you know, if, if someone sending me a message about a knife, I, I'm happy to sort of just like, you know, type up a, a thing about knives and just send it back to them. And, you know, I, I think people don't think you'll reply. So when you do reply, it means a lot. So like, luckily on TikTok, you can stop any direct messages. <laughs> but I do say, come over to Instagram. If you want to message me, I'm more than happy. So yeah. And even just like, I, I just do a video or a voice note it's so much easier you can genuinely interact with them a lot quicker than yeah being like that constant so yeah you gotta give back haven't you that's it's true look i mean i i have very small amount of followers in comparison but i still find it difficult to just my yeah. but it's where you get so you can get people reaching out to you and kind of like almost like that would rather probably need a therapist but come it's come to you I mean, some, some of them are just like, you know, you've really helped me. Like I, a lot of them are people with like ADHD uh, and they say that I really help them because my way of cooking is so scatty that it makes them feel normal. I suppose there's almost like, like comfort in the chaos kind of thing. Yeah. But um, also, you know, like some very like dark ones, you know, a lot of suicidal people that have messaged me and gone, you don't understand how much of a hole you've dug me out of just like your daily content. But then when you get that daily content, I'm like, fuck, like if I don't post daily, Am I going to ruin that person's life? It's always sitting there in my head going like, if that's their daily medicine and I don't do it, it's, there is that pressure. So but it's, it's cool. I mean, you've, I've done it. I'm here. I'm just going to crack yeah. on. Because <laughs> what, um, one question I had, because you've worked, you have been a chef, like obviously pre, um, TikTok, whatever, like yeah. 15 years, is that, is that right? Yeah. It, it's mad when I say it. I'm 36 now, but with the first restaurant I worked in, I was 15. Um, so then I had a bit of like, obviously I did it when I was at school, had a bit of a, a break from it all. Um, but then when I was about 19, 20, I went and did like a, a four week cooking course down in Ashburton in Devon, which kind of gave me the, the understanding of 
what it means to be a chef. So uh, like how to plan daily, how to plan your weeks, how to think about things ahead, how to construct a dish, that kind of thing. It wasn't so much, here's how you dice an onion or here's a pill of potato, like that stuff you can learn. And then, yeah, I worked in Soho in London from yeah the age of about 21 all the way through for about five, six years, two different restaurants, went up to Tufnell Park, uh, worked in a restaurant there, helped set it up. And then I did a degree in photography. Um, and then while I was doing my degree, I was full-time at a cookery school teaching. So I was there for five years. And that, I think that's where I have my like quite good way of communicating. I've always been yeah, surrounded by actors and people like that. So I'm quite confident in talking, but to have that, uh, that, that people asking you a question, you having to chop and chat and do that was quite natural. Um, yeah. And then just did a lot of development work. So I went and worked for Joe Wicks, the, um, the man, the man that saved everyone during lockdown, as they say, he didn't, did he really? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I did. When he was very small, they, they released the 90 day plan and it was just like a copy paste off the internet. So they were like, we need a chef who can develop recipes and, and balance them. So I did that for two years and then, yeah, and then just went and started doing my own thing, really just set my own channels up, did a bit of like freelancing here and there. And then, yeah, got stuck into the food waste thing. Yeah. Cause that is, is that something, cause I was going to ask, like, I kind of assumed that you'd worked a lot in restaurants, but it's mainly been like teaching or like food development, like for other yeah. people and stuff. I is think, that something you've consciously avoided? Like you've not wanted to get into restaurant, like culture. I, I had, I had a lovely restaurant. I worked, Andrew Evans, the restaurant I worked in, I worked there for five years and I had a, it was a small team, a beautiful, like, it was a very dynamic relationship with all of the chefs. There was like a head chef and then everyone else was like no real role. So it was nice. And then when I was there, I was like, right, I want to change. And I went to this place called Floridita. The head chef was this guy called Andy Rose. And it was like, this is like chefing, you know, 30 people in the kitchen, absolute chaos. And I hated it. I absolutely hated it. You know, it was that real Ramsey attitude. Like no one had each other's backs. It was a lot of like aggression. And I was just like, this isn't me. So it kind of put me off. And the hours are you know, horrible as well. Um, yeah. And I just love food. So I was like, no matter what element I'm in, whether it's, you know, doing contract catering where you're at a space for four hours, you know, doing someone's wedding, you know, you're still making money. You're still surrounded by food. And then when you get into a development role, it's sort of like, it's nine to five and it was lovely. Yeah. And is, is there, cause do you think there's still a space for like, in terms of kind of two questions, I guess, like with like that kind of fine dining, I guess any restaurant, but specifically more in the fine dining with like Noma shutting down and the release of the, have you seen the film, The Menu? Yeah, I watched it last night. <laughs> yeah. I feel like there's, because there's some, sort of some conspiracy that Noma shut down post like the menu, like coming out and stuff. And that Red, Rene Rezepi going around like chopping people's fingers off. Do you remember? Yes. Happy. <laughs> Imagine that. Or it's just building yeah. up to one big final. But you like, never oh. know. He's very good at fermenting, so it might be some bodies floating around somewhere. <laughs> but do you think like there's space for that style of restaurant in terms of like if if we're trying to think of like reducing food waste? Because that is there's a huge amount of food waste, right, in those kind of Michelin style restaurants. Yeah. Um, well, Doug Doug McMaster, who owns Silo, um, I don't know if you know it. Um, so he started in Brighton maybe ten years ago, and he's got the only zero waste restaurant. And yes. I speak to him quite a lot. He's a bit of like a mentor, kind of like go to him. I'm kind of like 
the creative idiot and he's like the the arch- like the perfect person to talk about food waste and he his idea or the the reason behind the restaurant is like can you live without a bin you you try and do it in a restaurant and he does it so he's got this ecosystem that functions and he's like if you take that elsewhere it won't work but because he knows all of the suppliers that come in the amount of people that need to sit down on the night all of the chefs that are in on the ethos like the menu they're all bought into it you know that's what they're like at his restaurant the they um, have all these ferments and kojis, and it's a different way of thinking about cooking. Because if you cook using, you know, onions and carrots or garlic for your base for everything, you're going to generate a lot of waste, like skins, etc. Even if that is minimal. But for him, the foundation for his dishes may be a courgette, and then the technique he'll use to cook could be, you know, something very minimal. But then using flavor profiles like kojis, like your misos, like your soys, they're all ferments that are stuff that are generated from waste is then what becomes the flavors of these dishes. And it's, it's a different way of thinking. It's beyond yeah, yeah. a household kitchen, but it's, um, it's pretty special. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. I've not I've thought of that. Just the fact of like so much is so much cooking is based on like onion and garlic and how much. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I sat down and talked to him about it, I, I said it to him and he was like, I've never really thought of that. And I was like, you fuck, you have, look at you. Like, <laughs> he's like 10 years in, he must know. But um, yeah, it's incredible. And, you know, he said, he did a piece, I can't remember the, like the independent or something. And he took someone around the kitchen and instead of us going, oh, I've got a cauliflower, what should I do with it? He's like, I've got this flavor profile from this ferment. What would go with that? So instead of like, starting with something and trying to find things to go with it he's already started with a ferment and then he's like pulling in things that will go with it so it's yeah it's pretty special yeah do you think that like because and this is maybe an an assumption but like i kind of assume that if someone is concerned with food waste and 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 those kind of things that they're probably more compassionate than someone who's just focused on cooking as an art form or as like a as a passion do you think that's do you think that's true I, I think, I think for chefs, to, all chefs care about food waste because one, if yeah. you work in a restaurant, it's your money, it's your GP. If you're wasting food, it's, you know, you're, you're not making profit. The reason they say that there's a lot of food waste in UK homes is because, you know, I, oh, I didn't see it. You know, it's very easy to just sort of bin something and your conscience can be kind of wiped quite clean because no one sees it. But yeah, I think. The creativity in cooking, especially with food waste, as soon as you have to start thinking creatively, it's what really opens up, up your doors. Like I said about the, the one chef that toasts uh, the pepper seeds. So like when he gets these, cut all his pepper off and everything, and then all of a sudden he gets these beautiful pepper seeds, he'll toast them and use them as a garnish. There's all these like, yeah, think outside the box things. Yeah. Because this is like, I mean, because you've got a food waste course right on your, yeah. I don't want to like try and get you to give it all to... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, it's, it's very simple i think the thing, is there like sorry go on, i'm just gonna say is there like um what would be like the top tips to give to like home cooks if they're like trying to think about reducing waste yeah yeah well this is this is the word legom or lagom as they say in Swedish. this is what it's all about so legom is a swedish saying it's like not too much not too little just right so it, it revolves around anything that they use in Swedish culture, it's like their philosophy. You think of Ikea, it's the perfect amount of furniture for the space. You get enough storage, all of this kind of thing. Also a mindset. So for me in cooking and food waste, if you have too much produce, then you're going to have this underlying pressure that you need to use something up. You know, like you have a bag of potatoes, you have your cauliflower. If you have too much, there's going to be this like, 
thing bugging you every time you walk past it, I have to use it. If you don't have enough, this is where I talk about a dry store. So things like spices, pulses, lentils, the backbone of the kitchen. If you don't have that, you can't be creative. So if you find this happy medium of like this incredible dry store that works for you, and then you can plug in fresh ingredients as and when you need them, then you're cooking to with, you know, stuff that's non like that's not going to go off. So talking about perishable and non-perishable perishable stuff is your ticking time bomb of food waste. That's what you need to focus on. Only buy what you need and eat. There's, there's almost my tagline is eat the food you buy. It's the simplest solution to food waste. If yeah. you bring food into your house, it's your responsibility. Be mindful and eat it. Do you think that there's, it's a better approach? Because I feel like a lot of people, at least from my experience of like my family and people that I know doing like a big shop, like they do a big shop like once a week or whatever. Do you think that's maybe a, a not a good approach? Maybe it's practical, but it's not like... It's, it's practical if your life is linear, which no life is. <laughs> yeah. You know, with kids, you know, for example, I, I, if I would have filled my fridge, my son's been off nursery for two days, you know, he might've had something that's happened, you know, we might have to go and see someone, all of those kind of things. That's why, yeah, small shops, I think is the, is the key. And we, and in the modern world, we're so flippant with what we want, you know, like one night we could, I could wake up and be like, oh, fancy pizza tonight. Oh, but we bought that chicken breast. That'll be all right. You know, we'll. We'll have pizza tonight. We'll sort it out tomorrow. You're hungover tomorrow. And then you're like, oh, I don't really want chicken. And then it rolls on. So it's like, you know, we, we, everything's so convenient in life now. I don't feel we need to go like, right, we're going to do a one weekly shop because we've got the car for one day and we've got mum and dad's, you know, that anyone can get food, get their hands on food. So yeah, I think it's just yeah. about being mindful about what you buy and bring in. Yeah, that makes sense. Is it, have you found that like since becoming... Do you have one, uh, one child, one boy? One, one boy, yeah. Yeah. Have you found that your cooking approach to cooking ch has changed since having a... Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> chicken nuggets. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's hard. Like when he was younger, he was into like everything, you know, we'd give him salmon, avocado, cucumber. He's wild for it. Now it's kind of like plateaued out and he loves yeah. fruit. Like we'll eat loads of fruit and... You offer him something like salmon and he's kind of like, nah, not into it. But, you know, a beige diet, like lots of pasta and sausages. Like people think because I'm a chef that my son eats like beautiful risottos and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, man, the reality of the world is that you give him a bit of chicken, he's happy and a block of cheese and he's fine. And he eats so much fruit, you know, that I don't worry about any of his like levels of vitamins or anything. He's, yeah. He's an animal. Costs us a fortune in fruit, but it's all right. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's weird though, because I I was think, wondering like if because I've got a sixteen month old um, toddler baby. They're a toddler now, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> um, and she she'll like, eat anything now. But I wondered if that changes. So I feel like, but where, what age did that change? That they she got he was into well, he, he started going to nursery and he. Like on the thing, on the little app we've got, it was just like, oh yeah, he's eating chicken biryani. He's at this. We're like, what? And then when he comes home, he's just like, you know, oh, like I said, block of cheese. There's, I've got videos of him walking around with like a kilo block of cheese, just gnawing on it. <laughs> but it becomes survival. Like, you know, kids' development changes so quickly. And like, you know, one minute you're like, this is actually all right. And then the next week you're like, what, what's happened to our child? Like what, what's going on? 
he doesn't want to eat anything. He's not sleeping, you know, so you just got to roll with the punches. And I, I don't put too much pressure on what he eats because I know that he will, you know, one day be eating what we want to yeah. eat. It's just like, yeah, he's not going to be a kid that's like chips and chicken nuggets for the rest of his life. It's just a phase. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's because when, um, this is my second time doing this podcast. Okay. Um, last time we interviewed Dan Seagull, 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 yeah, Seagull. Seagull. Wow. Um, who's who's, uh, a specialist in, I would say child psychology, right? That would be a a quick way. Oh yeah. Um, Okay. And, uh, but then it's interesting. Like, I feel like everything ends up being like quite child centric. I think when you become like a new parent. And so now I like just struggle not to ask loads of questions about like kids, kids diets or how to approach that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I, mean, I had a really heated conversation with someone at, a, at an event once because they were like, oh, you have to ensure that your child's having a rounded diet. And I'm like, I can offer that to a child. If he doesn't want to eat it, I'm not going to sit there and force it upon them to like eat the food. I'm like, what do you mean to do? Like, you know, it's all about offering. And we always put things into like adult situations. Like we were like, yeah. you know, when you offer them something and then you go, oh, no, no, not now. They don't understand. They do not understand. So. Yeah, we uh, one of the prime examples was we're Halloween triple treated, and like we don't like to give Noah sweet sweets, but on Halloween he was like have a chocolate bar or whatever. And one of the kids had a lolly, and then he was like having the lolly, and then said, "Right, we're going to take that off you now. I'm going to give you your food." And he didn't understand. He just didn't understand. He doesn't understand. And I said to them, "It's like me giving you a glass of wine. You having a little glass of wine, and then me going, right, not not anymore now. They're like we're going to have it back." <laughs> Well, you can have it back in a bit, but why can't I just have it? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And you think a kid just has no real life, you know, things. So me and my wife always have these like little analogies <laughs> to put it into it. And it makes sense. It, it just makes sense. No, it's true. I think it's actually in one of Dan's books where he talks about like how there's this, and especially I feel like it's more now, there's like a weird culture around like being a parent. And, like, I don't know if it's like an ego thing, but you've got to like nail it and do everything perfectly and like, yeah, so they have no trauma and they're just like these perfectly well-rounded beings when they grow up. But like with food specifically, like something that changed for me, because I was worried, oh, I need to get like this. They need to have protein, these vegetables, whatever. And they're like, actually, it's better that they have a better relationship with food. So you're not forcing them to eat food. You're not punishing them like with food or like rewarding them with food. Just so anything they eat, it's more important. The context in which they're like eating. It's, yeah. it's more important, which has changed yeah. for me because yeah, I was worried a lot. Like when when she started eating like solid foods, I was like, oh, she's not like she only wants to eat porridge. Like yeah. I can't get her into anything else. Um, I always think it's about offering as well. Yeah. It's like just going, "Would you want bread?" And he's just like, "Ah, do those sausages?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've got to put it into their brain. But um, yeah, we try not to put too much pressure on ourselves because yeah, he's a he's a good kid. He's all right at the minute. <laughs> Yeah, three years how, in, how old is it? right? Three, yeah, three. This is right. really interesting for me to listen to because I have a seven-month-old baby boy. So you guys yes. are in two stages ahead of me, and uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's, it's really... so much fun now. Some really mad conversations. I had to explain uh, double yellow lines on the internet the other day, and I thought in one, you have to stop. Wait, basically, we we parked somewhere, and he was like, "Daddy, what's this?" And I was like, "It's a double yellow line." And he was just like, "Right, what's that?" And I was like. So it's when you park, you're allowed to park in some places. If it's one line, uh, and he's like, right. And I was like, we just got to pop into this place and just uh, speak to someone. And they gave us an email address. And then they were, it was like, what's this? And I was like, it's a post-it note. What's that? And I was like, it's a sticky letter. Uh, 
And then he was like, what's the email address? It's like, it's like when you send someone a message. What's a message? I was like, oh my God, you forget <laughs> all of these like, little baby steps along the way. And then he, and he said, what's the internet? <laughs> Google it. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was done. <laughs> but it's fine. Um, I thought it kind of segues into one question I had was how you, what age did you get into food? Was it from a young age? Did you have yeah. like, parents yeah, yeah. that were into food? Mum and dad weren't really into food at all. No, it was, it was weird. I think I've got pictures of me when I was like five or six and I just was, you know, just loved making bread. There's no bread and cakes and all this kind of stuff. And I think maybe one of this is the really, it sounds really middle-class, but we had an Arga and I always remember going to the Arga showroom when you have an Arga and they do a demo on all the things you can do on it. And one of the things was like the bottom oven and he opened up the bottom oven and it was just like you know, pulling out trays of stuff like this, you, you could do this. And I think for me, it was, I was like, wow, this is amazing. And then it was the whole naked chef, Jamie Oliver period. And remember watching that and just being like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then it really got me into it. And uh, yeah, my mum and dad were always like, if you want to do something, let us know, you know, and they would buy ingredients and stuff. So yeah, I was doing like dinner parties for my mum and dad's friends when I was like 13, 14, you know, just oh. be being that like kid that everyone hates because he was good at cooking. <laughs> but I loved it, you know, doing drop scones on like the top of the Arga and yeah, it was just good fun. And in terms of like being, because I noticed you, you haven't started a YouTube, right? I think you mentioned once, I think I heard you mention like a live that you were yeah. in the process of doing that. Is there a reason that you didn't go into that or, or go into like to be a, a personality, like a chef? Yeah, well... I think for me, it was always time. I I was very much just like, what is the thing that I can throw my energy into rather than spreading myself across lots and not really knowing what I'm doing? So Instagram was the first one that I was like, I'll do this. Um, and then the, the length of content I was doing wasn't really working. And then TikTok came along and my content started working. So I was like, okay, I'll focus here. I get, there's a, thing that plays in my mind about like creators that are, are good and have like do, can do a minute video and they work across all you know they'll work across instagram tiktok and youtube it's like but it's not me i i like to talk too much um but then for the format of youtube it's like you know it obviously has to be 16.9 instead of the other way so for me trying to shoot both styles of content and still have that dynamic i want uh, I find it tricky. So that's why I am going to start it because it is definitely a platform that would suit me talking. Um, but it's just been time. Like I've had a full-time job for, you know, well, the whole time I've set my channels up. So, yeah. and it's only been since end, well, middle of December that I've gone on full-time to Lagon. So yeah, I'm still finding my feet in the new year of having yeah. some time. So, but it's good. You know, like my son was at nursery the first week and second week of January. So I haven't even like got my feet stuck into like the new year really yet. And yeah, YouTube will be something that will be coming because I've got time now. So yeah, oh, that's exciting. I, I heard you were on your Sunday brunch and some, is it this Sunday? This Sunday. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. exciting. Is it, yeah. is it your first time on UK TV? As well? uh, so I did, I did a Jamie Oliver cooking show. There was a cookbook show last year um, where it was the great cookbook challenge. I think it was called um, where you had to pitch a cookbook. And my cookbook yeah. was so far-fetched that I, I knew I wouldn't go very far. <laughs> to start off with, it was a cookbook show and I and a competition. And I called it, this is not a cookbook because I didn't want it to be a traditional cookbook. Mine was all about, you know, zero waste, but then also about educating people rather than giving someone a recipe. It was like, 
okay, here are loads of really cool quotes or things that make me think about the kitchen. Um, and it's like, I wanted to be like a toilet book where people get inspired. So instead of there being recipes, it would be paragraph of cauliflower cheese. So it'd be like blanch cauliflower, you know, make a bechamel sauce, uh, and then do it. So people could kind of go, oh, I know what to do with different ingredients, but it was a lot of philosophy in there. And I don't think they bought it. Well, they definitely didn't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Sunday brunch is, yeah, I got that. It's weird. I got that job. It's only you get those in those things, people who you know. So yeah. when I was working at Tastemade, I was there as a food producer. And one of the people who came as a freelancer, as a producer, we got really friendly. And she was like, oh, I'm going back to Sunday brunch. I'll try and get you in. And then because I did the book with Oddbox, it was like, ticks two boxes. You know someone, you have a book, you're in. Like So yeah, yeah that'd be cool. That's exciting. So. One, I was, I was really conscious when I started, like, was putting some questions together that I was just going to, it was going to become very self-indulgent and it was just me, me asking for cooking tips. Um, <laughs> That's okay. Well, I haven't, I haven't asked for any cooking tips yet. <laughs> um, but one, one thing I was going to ask was like, is there, is there certain, um, like, are you passionate about, do you go to a lot of restaurants? Do you eat out a lot? Like, is there, it's, is that something? It's a funny one. I went, this is my answer that's a bit backwards, but I went to a Waitrose event and I was sitting next to a chef or a guy who worked for Great British uh, Chefs, GBC, the website. And he just talked at me about, have you been to this place? Do you know Michelle this? Do you know blah, 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 blah. I'm so out of that scene. I was just sitting there like going, mate, you're talking to the wrong person. He was like, yeah, but you're a chef. And I was like, I'm a, I'm a chef that enjoys food. Like there's chefs that enjoy restaurant scenes. There are mates that know the restaurant scene better than I do. I love eating out, but you know, like I would want to take my wife and you know, we, we can't do that as much anymore, but yeah, I'm not much of a, a restaurant person and, uh, I'm, I'm a very unfussy eater as well. <laughs> yeah. I love the five guys. <laughs> do you think there is a weird, do you, like, like with that film, the menu, like this weird culture around food. Like I feel like it is food exists in its in itself. I was chatting to Jack about it beforehand. Like I see like food as kind of a bit of an art form. There's a, a part of food that is like art, like music or or like painting or whatever. But then it's also everyone needs to eat. So like everyone engages with food every day in some way. Yeah. Um but then there's this like level of cooking and culture that like is is a bit strange and does seem a bit like elitist like in a lot of ways like <laughs> well that's what exactly. um, that's why I, I really push and rip into people that come to my channel to talk about that because there is that level of it which is michelin star and i completely appreciate it i i think it's amazing that they can dedicate their life to doing that one thing and perfecting that one thing but for me it's not me i just enjoy food for what it can bring like, you know, it can fill you up. It can make you happy. It can give you pleasure. It can clear your head. Like I do it a lot for my headspace. I just zone out when I'm doing those videos. I'm, I'm in like everything around me is just gone for the day. Um, but you know, there's, like I said, there's levels to it. Like some chefs find that, that click. Is it like, is it all about cooking on fire? Is it all about being that thing? That's like being back to that primal level of cooking, or is it the fine level of detail or are you someone Oh, I can't remember, man behind the curtain. Can't remember the chef's name. Uh, Michael O'Hare, he was on Great British uh, Menu and he's like eccentric as fuck. And he does these dishes that are like 
uh, clear plastic plates with like black powder thrown at them and like that black powder would be salt and vinegar and you know a bit of cod and, and it's beautiful that's art that's like amazing and i'd like to go to those places but they're those kind of experiential places rather than you know your pizza express or your zizzy <laughs> have you got like a, a favorite set of restaurants in because you're in london right in north london I made that. yeah yeah walthamstow yeah oh nice um yeah, because have you got like a set of restaurants that are like your favourite that you would go to if you had childcare? Yeah, well, we... Five we, Guys, obviously. Five Guys, obviously. I love it. I love a Five Guys. I'm a simple man. Um, Hawksmoor, I think, uh, I just, I think it's just incredible. So like, you know, when you get a good bit of meat and they've done it well and you're just like, there's been a lot of love going to this, like the whole process from like, you know, they've selected the right animals, they've looked after them, it was obviously cooked the meat well, all of that kind of stuff. I can respect that. Um, I love a Bone Daddy's. Have you ever been to Bone Daddy's? Bone good Daddy's ramen. Great. Yeah, really good, like, pork ramen. Um, pretty, like, fast serve, kind of like, yeah, like an authentic Wagamama's, really. Um, yeah. But they just do ramen's really good. Um, yeah, I just love it. I love a Five Guys. I mean, I've got a friend who... Is it who I used to work with, uh, Andrew Evans, the first restaurant I worked in. And he's always like, every time he lives in Ireland now, he comes over and he's like, right, we're going to Arcola Street in Dalston and we're having a Turkish because that is like, you go to Mangan number two and it is, yeah. you leave a happy man. I could eat Turkish every day. <laughs> it's the name. I, I used to live in Stoke Newington. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things I missed the most about living in London was it's Turkish food. Oh man. Yeah. It's beautiful. And, yeah. And Indian food as well. Like yeah. not, where I, I'm in Mallorca in Spain now. And there's, oh. just, there's, there's like kebabs, but not really Turkish food in, in the same way. And the same as Indian food as well. One yeah. thing I, would, I wish some people would come over here and start restaurants. Do it well. <laughs> yeah. But no, look, is that, so that's another question I had was like, do you think there's certain cultures that already have better approaches to food waste? Like, just sort of different cuisines, like um, geographically, like Indian food or Mexican. Because there's, do you know, do you know of like? Is that something you've looked into? It's. Um, I, I was actually talking to a girl who uh, it does a lot of Omani, like Oman cooking, and that that kind of way of cooking is so um, sort of like uh, what's the word? like where it goes back to like her grandma, you know, she sits with her grandma and her grandma cooks. It's very family orientated. And naturally it's, there is no waste because they, you know, they, not that they were poor, but those poorer countries, they, they don't have access to lots of ingredients. So they're a lot more resourceful. Um, so she was, yeah, talking about some dishes and yeah, I was talking about cauliflower leaves. She was like, yeah, we always use those. <laughs> no, but I'm like, yeah, it seems like a new thing in the UK. Like when you say it, to right. people, it blows their mind, but um, yeah, I mean, I suppose that, 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 that would be my answer. Yeah. Um, Aman, Amanish cooking. Um, Amani, I don't know how you say it. Aman, Amani, uh, not Armani, but you know, <laughs> but I love yeah, Middle Eastern food. But then I said to my mate, Bob, who's the guy who's talking about the food. I said, it's like me saying, I love Middle Eastern food. It's like saying I love English food, which encapsulates the whole of Europe, you know, because mm. there's so many different sub genres and. We were talking about Turkish, and he was like, "There's so many subgenres to Turkish." But I say Middle Eastern because I like Ottolengi and Syrian food and all of that kind of stuff. But I yeah. don't know it enough to really comment on it. I just love the spices and the the ways of cooking and the breads and 
cooking over open fires and that kind of thing. Yeah. Do you find, I guess you must get that a lot, like kind of this food kind of snobbery in like comments, like, ah, I can't do this or I do this. And there's a lot of, there's, I guess there's a fine line between like tradition, like people that will like, um, you know, you can't call like a, a, a paella, a paella, like if it's not got like cooked over a certain fl- like a flame or whatever, like, yeah. And then, and those kind of like traditions, which I kind of make sense, but then there's like this snobbery that takes it even further. Like it's the Italians. Yeah. yeah my God. Oh, <laughs> I'm in Italy here. I should just give you full disclosure. <laughs> yeah. We're bounced. Um, opposite the Amalfi coast, the Cilento area. Oh, that, wow. Underneath Napoli. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I, so the reason I say it is because I've got a couple of Italian mates. We lived in Switzerland in Lugano, which was just above Italy. So we had a lot of like. Italians sort of like, eh. they can do amazing food. Don't get me wrong. But I did a carbonara dish on my TikTok and I did it very traditional all the way through. But I put a little bit of garlic in mine because I like a little bit of garlic. Fucking hell. Oh, hell broke loose. No garlic. You call yourself a chef. I'm like, hey, I'm like, calm down. And I always say cook to, to what you like. You know, some people comment it like you put too much salt in that. I'm like, did you taste it? No. Have I been yeah. a chef for? I, I don't say these things, but I, I, I do say, did you taste it? You know, cooked your palate, you know, maybe it's too much salt for you. Maybe it's perfect for someone else. Maybe it's not enough for someone else. You know, it's all a personal thing cooking. So one of the yeah. guys in the band is, uh, is a fan of cooking as well. And he's showed, there's an Italian chef who cooks on English TV. I can't remember their name, but, uh, one, uh it was with, um, uh, Philip Schofield one time. Gino De Campo. It's gotta be. Right. It must be him. Yeah. 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 And he was cooking, he was cooking a carbonara. And something about the, 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 the lady host made a silly comment and he says something like, you know, if my mama, if my grandmother had wheels, she would have been a bike. <laughs> yeah, he, he has. I love that. Yeah. If you, if you type in Gino DeCampo, it's, uh, and then look at his like show reel on that. It is just him dropping like, yeah, clangers everywhere. But that's what he's known for now. Yeah. I suppose that's always those scripts are written for him to drop those clangers in there but yeah yeah no is it, i feel like that's always been the scary thing of like get anything to do with food it's like you get those like snobs or like the the traditionalists in certain cuisines yeah but i guess you're not it, worried about that, just that. Rub them off. yeah you get we me and this um there's a, a, a chinese guy called Z, ziang's workshop or something and uh i did this technique called velvety don't know if you know it um yeah. so it's it's in traditional Chinese cooking. When you have a Chinese takeaway and you eat a bit of chicken and it's so soft, you're like, is this cooked? This is so soft and weird. So it's this technique where you put thinly sliced chicken in with like bicarbonate soda and soy sauce, all of this, and it breaks down all of the fibers so that you end up getting this insanely beautifully soft chicken. It just blows your mind. So I did it and then he got really drunk and did like, he ripped into me. He was like, who is this guy? And like, He's not a chef, you know, you can tell, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, he like, loads of people commented and he was just like, oh, and he retracted. He left the videos up and he apologized like, over the internet to me and stuff. And I was like, mate, I don't care. It's your traditions. If I did it wrong, that's totally fine. Um, and then he showed me the traditional way as well, where you do it with egg white and all this kind of stuff. And it was, it was quite funny uh, that that was a proper traditional thing that I, I'd done for ages because I'd known it, but I didn't get it quite right. And it brought him yeah. out like really bad. <laughs> but I think you've got to take these things on the chin. I'm quite open and I'm just like, look, you can come at me. It's totally fine. I'm, 
made of leather. You know, I'm all right. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying anything that I'm doing is perfect. I'm just showing you the way I do it. And that's totally. Sick. Yeah. Yeah. I guess there's that, well, that is a weird thing. There's that this trend in, well, not trend, but just this like side of TikTok that it's just chefs reacting to other chefs. Yeah. Yeah. There's like chef's, chef's reaction. The, the, the original guy is brilliant because he just rips the piss out of people that have obviously done something quite terrible or on the spectrum of someone that's done insane pastry work and they made like a giraffe out of chocolate and he's just like, oh, yeah. fuck, I'll just give up. Like, you know, there's another guy called Ken something and he's, I just find him really arrogant. He, he does it in a way that's like, I'm better than you. This is rubbish. Duh, 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 duh. And he kind of like tries to school you a bit and it's just a bit like, oh mate, no one's yeah. here for this. No, it is, it is dull. That's sort of yeah. Um, so what's your, like, what's your ambitions for like the, the people you've got starting a YouTube? Um, yeah, I, I just came off a call. I had two calls back to back before this, because I was like, got to cram them in. And <clears throat> the first one, I want to release uh, a vinegar brand and a salt brand. Cause I use smoked salt so much and I use vinegar so much because it's such like a pivotal piece in cooking. So I'm trying to figure out to set up that as a bit of like a, not like a non-profit, but basically I just want people to see the branding and have a laugh and be able to use it. Yes. Um, and then I came off a call with the, the founder of crowdfunder because I've, uh, been in touch a lot. And last year when I was making no money, I was like, I need to crowdfund for this project I want to do. And, um, and then because of my TikTok, we've obviously stayed in touch and I explained the idea of this hub that I want to create. Imagine, imagine just like a space of like a cool workshop, loads of kitchens where people can come in and use them, you know, a cafe to do workshops. I can film YouTube content. People can come in and use it to film their content and just have it as like a, a fun hub of space. That's like non-pretentious people with no money can come in and, you know, and use it and create content from. So yeah, we spoke to him about that and he was like, you can make that happen. So yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a, I said to him, I, I always have this thing ringing in my head. My mate works for a, uh, an agency, a branding agency that does a lot of data driven stuff. He's the creative and he's got the business partner. That's like the really practical one. I'm the creative <laughs> that hasn't got an ounce of like practicalness in me to write a business plan or anything. So I'm just like, I need to find that person, you know, there, there'll be someone out there. <laughs> yeah. What, um. So you, you wouldn't ever want to open a restaurant that's not in your, like, I'm, I'm going to do, thing. I'm going to do some pop-ups. I think for me to yeah. do a restaurant, a restaurant is like a really big commitment. Um, cause people want to eat on the hours that you want to be sitting at home in your underpants doing nothing. So, um, yeah, I've done my, I've done my time in restaurants and it's, yeah, it's hard work. Um, and I don't think I've got enough drive or motivation to really want to do it properly. I think I'd much rather throw an experience. So the pop-ups I'm going to do are going to, yeah, I've called it, we're going to call it Mark's house party. Um, uh, and I haven't told anyone, but it's basically going to be free. It's going to be like a two day event. Um, it's, everything's going to be free, booze, food, everything. And you just come in and be open to, you know, the public, like you have to obviously enter a ballot to come in or whatever. And then all I'll ask them to do is to donate, uh, to the Felix project, which is a project that I really love. And, uh, yeah, so I'll just be like, look, if you had a fucking wicked time, how much would you spend on a night out? You know, 30 quid, whatever, plop that into Felix and we can we can have a laugh. So what is the Felix, Felix project? Yeah. Oh, yes. 
So the the Phoenix project is um it's basically dealing with food waste that comes from everywhere. So they've got warehouses, uh, one down in Bow, and imagine uh, the easiest way to explain it is like imagine Marks and Spencer's ordered twenty five pallets of potatoes and they only needed one pallet of potato. Where does all that waste go? It goes to the Phoenix Project. They turn that food into meals and then they give the meals to people that are um, on the breadline or you know community projects that need food. And it is insane. The amount of food that comes in, like restaurant quality food. You could have big restaurants or butchers that are bought in because of demand. Something cuts, you know, they've got 25, you know, lambs, what do they do with them? You know, they can give them to the Phoenix project. They can turn them into meals, then send out and it's amazing. Yeah. That made me think about like, what's your opinion on like sober dates and best before dates and stuff like that. Do you think that, is that like, I was speaking to someone the other day and it's different. The approach is different depending on what country you're in. Yeah. Like certain things will have different things on chicken or like, like cooked beans. Like it's just a different, it's different in each country. So. So in the UK, sell-by dates is purely for supermarkets. So that's just an indication for them to go, this needs to be shifted by this date so they can rotate stock. Best before is a basically, if you broke it down, is best before this date. It doesn't mean it's going off. It means it's just losing its peak quality. So a lot of dairy products now have not got a best before date on them because it is down to you. Um, a company called Too Good To Go did a massive campaign, which was all about look, smell, taste, don't waste. So it's about if you've got a yogurt, you could open it up, you could have a look and you'd be like, that looks all right. If you don't think it looks all right, have a smell. If you think it smells all right, have a taste. And then if it's all right with taste, then you move on. So a lot of these things aren't going to make you ill. Um, but the only things that will make you ill are the things that have used by dates. So things like chicken, fish, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks very much. Have you got like, uh, like what's your go-to dish if you're like if you have to like make a special meal for, for me and jack <laughs> well dietary requirements have you got any allergies uh, penicillin penicillin great okay <laughs> but if you put none of that in there yeah i th- my style of cooking is very um i like to do lots of little things so whenever i have friends over or whatever, if you were to come over I, I wouldn't just go we're gonna have lasagna i would do something like you know, I'd make a nice bowl of couscous and I'd make a load of different dips. So I did like Mugumara, like the Romesco dips that I did recently on my, my channel. Um, I do things like, I call them my big fat fudgy carrots. So like big carrots, which is like basted in butter and all stuff like that. And then little adders called, uh, I make a thing called, like a, there's a duka, which is sort of like an Egyptian spice blend with hazelnuts. It's just kind of like a big smorgasbord of food. So like people can kind of pick and choose and help themselves. And um, I kind of like that style of cooking because especially for leftovers, it's like you could just sit down and put it, put it somewhere and you can make something out of it. Yeah, that sounds great. Love that. <laughs> well, when you're over, let me know and you can come over and have some food. Yeah, when is the, uh, the pop-up? Like, so I, I, think 20, I think it was the 24th, 25th, 26th. So we've got Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, of March um, and waiting for, I only literally met him at 12 today. So he's got a venue. He's this really mad guy called William, like super eccentric, super posh. Got this cool venue. And then he'd got like a couple of cocktail venues. And uh, I went in there when I had 
I think like 300,000 on my TikTok. And I said to him, I was like, oh, I want to do some pop-ups. And he was like, this is the course, you know, da, 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 da. and I was like, okay, cool. I'll go away and think about it. And then three months later, I was on the Russell Howard show. I uh, just did a segment about food waste on that. And he saw it oh. and he messaged me. I was like, oh, we need to talk. And now he's basically sponsored the venue for me. Got me drink sponsors. So that's why I can do everything for free. I can be like, yeah, right, yeah. this is for you guys and for me. Like, let's just have a good time and enjoy and say thank you for the support, really. Yeah, that's awesome. Have you found, I guess, do you know, I don't even know about if you can see that information, but do you know where a majority of your followers are? Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's 60, 40, I'd say. Um, let's have a look. Let's go on my, my analytics. But when I, um, when I look, it's mainly obviously UK. I think it's like 60, 60 split, but then very equal split on men and women, um, which is quite funny. Yeah, 40% male, 56% women. Age range is just mad. Like you get like over 50s. Like I had a message from this like 80-year-old woman the other day. It was like, I didn't know you could teach an old dog new tricks, but you've taught me a, a few things about cooking. And I'm like, God bless TikTok. Um, yeah, 50, 53% US. 28 United States, 10% Australia, Canada, and Ireland. So, well, right well, mix. <laughs> um, now, I feel like it's got to the point where I could probably ask for some, some two tips. Yeah. Or say, or say thank you to, for things that, like, one of the, like, the game changes of videos was, was, are we a lot of cauliflower cheese just because my work, my work's Spanish. Yeah. Um, and there's, like, certain kind of, I guess it's cauliflower cheese. A British food, I think so. It's pretty. There probably is other cultures that do like some version of it, but like, yeah. Um, but yeah, she loves that, and I'm. All, I always boil, just boil the cauliflower, mm -hmm. just because I always have. That's how I've done it. <laughs> but since roasting cauliflower and then putting it in, the, yeah, you go. Changer. It's, it's, it's the thing that I try and that really instill in people is just like understanding the simplicity of treating each element well. You know, like. If you was just a boiled cauliflower, it's totally fine. It's acceptable. It's all right. But like, what is that adding to the dish? Is you just boiling it to soften it, to put some sauce on it? Whereas you could add some flavor to that cauliflower and it will you know, elevate that dish that one step further. And it's those little small nuances in food, which is like really, really interesting. Yeah. Do you, do you think like, because I don't actually about the cookbook thing, but uh, the thing go down too well. But do you think that's like a, this whole, this traditional way of having a recipe book is a net has a negative impact on food waste because like people be like, oh shit, I can't do this. I haven't got like fresh tamarind or whatever. Like, yeah, there's, do you think that having a, a different approach? So I've seen like the few YouTubers that I follow that now will like almost approach their recipe books in a way that's more of a format. It's like, oh, this is my approach to this kind of dish. And I actually do kind of a similar thing. Is yes. that something you think that? Yeah, so this is what we did with the, I was just trying to see if I had it on the shelf. This is what we did with the cookbooks that we wrote is instead of having a recipe that works on its own, we worked on recipes that worked as a base. So you could have a risotto, for example, and it will teach you how to make a really amazing base. But then the veggies that go into it, we created a, a, a bit where you can cook them separately and then add them to the risotto. And then in, on each recipe, there's a swaps piece. So it's like, if you don't have mushrooms, you could swap in XXX next. And as you progress through the book or you learn through the book, you learn that you can interchange things. There was two 
of different flop swaps. There was like flavor swaps and structural swaps. So like flavor, you can put anything, you know, if you've got a mushroom and you don't want mushroom, put pepper in, yeah, it'll change the flavor of the dish, but that's down to you. Structural stuff is like, if you're making a croquette with potatoes, like, and you swap that for a pea, you're not going to have a croquette, you know, it won't hold together. So that's where you need to like focus. But that's the thing. As soon as you understand that, it's like the world is your oyster. But um, yeah, recipe books, I think are, are brilliant. If you, if you want to understand, if you get a decent one from a good chef that's really thought it out, this is what my YouTube channel will be about. And you take a recipe and then you look at it and you can understand what each thing is doing in the dish. Like why have they added vinegar? Why have they added, you know, soy or miso at this stage? Why have they done this? And it's like, if you pull those apart, then that's when you can start, you know, replacing things or, you know, like fucking with it a little bit, you know, like if you think of like a, a hollandaise, for example, which is like, if you think of it as purest form, which is like egg, butter, and then a vinegar reduction. If you take out, you know, like I did with that, the bacon A's, whatever I called it, I can't remember. But if you have your egg and then the fat is just fat. So what, what fat could you put? You could put beef tallow in there, you know, why not? It's still fat. It's just a emulsification. Oh, yeah. You could put that. I rendered down chicken fat and then put that through it. And then, you know, the vinegar, what if you then paired that with something else? What if it was a different flavored vinegar that paired with the thing that you put in there? So once you start understanding those things and ways of thinking, that's when you can really be playful with food. What is your favorite TikTok that you've done? Your favorite, like, if you, if you had to look, because I do you think of them like, because I was, I was talking to um, one of my friends that's a chef and he's just started doing YouTube. And like, he kind of, it's because obviously being a musician, like, I think very much in my content being songs, like, and do you think of like, as now, like, rather than you're making dishes, you're making content, like, is that like your. It, um, it, it depends what, what, what day I'm doing of it. If, if a day where I'm like, right, I've got to rattle out seven videos because I know I've got a hectic week. Then it becomes more about like the thing uh, that I'm doing. And that's why you end up picking something like a hash brown, because, you know, it's something you can make and it's like quite end to end. It's, it's, you don't have to think about it too much. But some of the ones that I really loved, uh, which I need to sort of like go back to a bit more was when I did the bacon A's and the, the chicken fat hollandaise and like I did a coconut mayonnaise because those ones were, were creative ideas, but weren't so far fetched that it didn't like push the boundary of out of home cooking. It was yeah. still just like, this is just a fun way to fuck with a dish and people would really like those. And they're the ones that did really well. And, and then you go back and do something like a tomato soup and it blows up. People love a tomato soup. <laughs> so it's hard, but, um, I, I'd never, I'd never create content for something that I want to create. It would always be now what people have commented. So I build yeah. my content off the back of the comments. Someone would be like, can you make, you know, can you show us how to make a veg stock? And you were like, that's the easy, but people want to see it. And it's like, you, you forget if you take a step back and think about it. So yeah. Yeah. And have you got, do you have like, um, People that you follow on TikTok or YouTube, like have you got like a top who are your like go to go to people? Uh, so yeah, chef wise, there's a guy called Andy Cooks. Um and he's he's literally just gone stratospheric. But again, he's got that content that is like so goes over all channels. You know, I was saying earlier about like really snappy one minute videos. But he would just do a dish, like I said, like 
but will do it really well. He's like a proper chef. Um, so his stuff's pretty cool. Um, who else? There's a, a small cocktail company, or I don't know if they're a cocktail company called Foolproof. And their videos are just like, they're really tiny. They've got like 2,000 followers, but like their content's just like really like cool. And I'm always looking yeah. at them going, I wish I could be cool like that. But <laughs> I just put my phone on an egg box. That was like how I started all my videos. I like was like, how do I prop my phone up so I can talk to it? And I just literally had like an egg box there. And I was like, that's the perfect height. So yeah, that's how it all started for me. You got the same egg box? No. <laughs> no, I've moved on to a tripod now with a little ring. Oh, up. wow. But yeah, that's when so I first started, it was just like, like and this is the thing that I really... I'm in like a conundrum with, I've got a couple of channels that are like, you know, Pinterest are going to back me and want me to go and help them on there. Like, well, not help, they're going to help me. But my style of content doesn't work on there because mine's very chatty and long. And then when I make the content for TikTok, it's so like, you know, I could have an idea and I just click my phone in and I'm off. Whereas when it becomes something like YouTube or now Pinterest becomes this quite you have to think about it. It's quite formulaic. You have to be like, right, I've got to say these things or do these things. So um, it takes a bit more of a setup. So it's not so much off the cuff, but I've kind of bit the bullet and gone, TikTok's going to be chaotic off the cuff cooking, where it's like me, that's the projection of me. And then the YouTube and the, will still be a bit of that, but a bit more polished. And then my Pinterest will be like very 30, 40 second formulaic stuff just to get the ideas through. And I'll pay yeah. someone to help me. It's just a him. Um, I have one more question. Really, I feel like we've got that's yeah five minutes left. You're all right. And yeah. like in terms of like, does, what does food mean to you? Like in outside of sustenance, like what, what if why is it important to you? It's I always say this is one of the most accessible creative things that everyone can do. Um, you, if you're a musician and you took away your guitar, you know what do you do? You know, it's, everyone can play with food and everyone can create something fun. And, you know, and I I talk about the mental health thing. It is so good for like zoning out. Even if you're shit at baking, you're in it for an hour and a half making a shit cake and you think of nothing else. And that's fine. Um, and I don't, and I don't put pressure on people to be perfect when I talk about food waste. I'm like, it's something that we can play with and explore and learn from and you'll be better. And I yeah, it's just, a, it's, I can't, they said something in the menu, which I, I can't remember what dish it was. It might've been the, um, the rock one, but the way he yeah. described it about like the ecosystem and about how we, it gives back. We just, a, I was like, that's tough, but like good, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that really kind of, kind of like hit me and, you know, it is just like nature's giving you this thing to the most amazing stuff to play with. And, uh, yeah. It's really accessible, so that'll be it. No, it's well, thanks very much for indulging me for an hour. <laughs> it's all right, <laughs> it took for hours. I've got another podcast to do tonight as well. I'm going on my mate's podcast, so full oh, on yeah. today. Are you sick of podcasts and being interviewed and not people asking you about food yet? No, I, I don't mind it. It's uh, I could talk for England about food. Um, yeah, my mate's one, he's like a he loves Star Wars, he's a, he's a proper geek. Him and his mate have been doing it for ages, and um. Yeah, they were like, we try to sort of talk about different things. We can talk about the menu and food and whatnot. So yeah, that'll be tonight. Nice. Well, good luck. Thank you. (laughs) But this is the podcast that gives back. So we actually 
give you a song after this. We go away now, we compose, and the song will magically appear at the end of the podcast. So do you have any suggestions for what we should sing about? Oh, God. I I really would love for you to get something about, um, well, creative freedom. Always about, um, I always say to people, like, do one thing well. You know, if you love one thing, just fucking run headfirst at it because... Like I said about my social challenge, you try and do too much and it can become overwhelming. Um, and my favorite quote, if you could get this in there, I would, I would be very happy. It is the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. It's uh, something that's stuck with me. That, <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, it's a good one. Many people um, on TikTok are doing that though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You see it. I'm just, yeah, I think the thing with TikTok is people kind of like think I'll just keep throwing, throwing, throwing the same thing and then something will happen. But it's like, yeah. But um, yeah, I'd say creativity is my big thing. Positivity is such a massive thing for me. You know, I know you don't really want to swear, but I have this, there's a book that I read called The Fuck It Therapy. And I've always thought about it as just like, I'm a, I'm a very yes man. I'm like, fuck it, what's the worst that can happen? I've got a very, um, a very low sense of um, sense of shame. I, I, it's impor- impossible to embarrass me. So um, <laughs> you cook in your underwear. Yeah, <laughs> I, it doesn't bother me. You know, whatever. <laughs> you know, and I think that's one thing. I'm quite quite easy to drop my barriers and just sort of like have fun and just roll with it. And I think that's partly why my TikTok's kind of gone quite well because people are like, yeah. "We're with you. We're in this with you." So, what music do you listen to? Do you have a favorite genre? music cool i'm i'm all over the shop i, I love a bit um i love a bit of hardcore uh um yeah listen to quite a lot of my wife used to work for vans so we liked a little bit of hardcore and metal and stuff like that but i do listen to quite a lot of, I, I say quite a lot of folk um i can't even remember the name of the one guy that i was listening to but i'm a bit of a spotify go a bit everywhere falls yeah. are a big big yeah big oh, fangirl um Karanjabin, is that how you pronounce him? Karanjabin? Karanjabin. Yeah, they're really cool. They're kind of like, you would listen to him, you'd be like, he listens to this? Like, they're really like mellow and um, the sexiest bassist you'll ever see. She's got like a, a fringe there and just, yeah. Um, a lot, a lot, this is this is a bit mad. Wolfpeck, do you know Wolfpeck? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so my, my mate used to work for a record label called Wild Wild 45s. And so they were like into like lots of jazz and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of, a lot of my music that I hear now is through him. And I'm like, oh, do you know this? I found this new band. <laughs> it's like, this was sampled from uh, the 1720s, you know? And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> but yeah, all over the shop really with my music. Yeah. Well, that's a good, it'll probably sound miserable if I yeah. didn't have anything to do with it. Um, yeah. You're not getting but, metal. Yeah, no. that's all right. <laughs> But no, that's, I feel like I've got, got an idea now. Yeah, nice. got inspiration. Xavier Rudd, there's another one that takes me back to like, uh, like my, when I went traveling in Australia. Oh, yeah. Rudd, so yeah. yeah. He was signed, he's signed to my old label, I think. Oh. And Jose yeah. Gonzalez, we, we listened to his song uh, at our wedding. Nice. I love Jose Gonzalez. Beats, yeah, that's a... Heartbeats, it's a yeah, tearjerker. <laughs> Good song. Well, we've got the ingredients. All we have to do now is have a bit yeah, of fun in there. How long? Do, how long does it take to come out? Like when would? Or is it just 
I don't know how these things work. Well, um, William's really fast, so shouldn't take too long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, so be, be uploaded tonight. <laughs> within two weeks. Only, it would be oh. within a week, but um, my dad's visiting next week, so um, I'm going to not do things. And then yeah. following week, I'll, I'll write it. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, excited. Looking forward to it. I told someone about the concept today and they were like, that is a fucking brilliant concept for a, a podcast. So, yeah. Well that done, is. team. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been great. I've really learned a lot. I've really inspired. And I'm going to need to get more into food because I was just telling Will before the show that I'm not so into it, but it's something I should be. Yeah, yeah. It's an inspired one guest. Yes. That's it. Done. Well, good luck with everything. And Thanks, mate. Continue to blow up. And yeah, yeah. Everything that you want to do. Yeah, let's hope so. <laughs> All right, bye, Mark. All right, do I do? Bye, bye. Bye. Wow, well done, mate. That went really well. Yeah, let's go. I realised I actually ended up running out of questions towards the end. I was like, um, yeah, it's it's oh. an hour is a long time, but it was it was fun. Yeah, well, you did really great because you're a, he's such a ch- chatty guy as well. Really, yeah, he's he a lovely guy. Yeah, that was really went really well. No. I loved it. I'm excited to get get going. I was interested to listen about how, you know, because it's funny how the, I was thinking how the media makes the man, you know, his style and, you know, being at these TikToks right up, it feels like you're talking to you, doesn't it? And yeah. it's funny, he, he, without TikTok, he might not have, you know, made it or exploded. Yeah. No, it's you, true. Because his unpolished style is really, really yeah. nice to watch. Yeah. It's, no, it made me think that I, that's how I kind of want to approach this. Maybe it's like not to overthink it too much, mm-hmm. and to try and like have something more organically come out, and try and record like the vocals in one take. Just like, just try yeah, something, yeah. something yeah, like his, uh, his style. Yeah, but it's also yeah. interesting how those years of preparation, like because you know he knew the guy from the silo, and you know he's not just somebody who said, "Oh, I'm going to try to do sustainability." You know, he's, he's standing on the shoulders of giants and he is really in the, in that vein. So, yeah. No. Well, I'm excited to have a go. Um, as I said, I'll probably put something down while it's fresh. Okay. Like just lyrically. And then, um, the, yeah, we're next week. Um, probably next weekend. Probably start. Okay. Brilliant. Well, I'll uh... get in touch. Okay, if I could sing on it, I'd be love to to do. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, in one take, obviously. <laughs> in one take, <laughs> immediately. All right. Well, great chat. Right. Really great chat. Meeting up with you again, and uh, we've got to make this an annual thing. Yeah, well, I'd love to. Thanks very much for having me again. All right, Will. <laughs> See you later. Take care, mate. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And the pride you 
enjoyed the song and the episode the song will be released next week will be available on all streaming platforms but you can already pre-save please support the artists by following them on social media and adding the song to any playlists you have this is a completely free show and you've listened this far so i'd really appreciate it if you could pay us back by clicking like and subscribe and follow at pod songs on social media platforms or subscribe to the newsletter podsongs.com for special updates Or just tell the next person you see about this amazing show where musicians interview their idols and write a song about them. The songs are available for download from the Podsongs website as well, which pays a lot more than the 0.00 whatever we get from Spotify. You can also email me at jack at podsongs.com to give feedback, suggest an artist and guest combos you'd like to hear, or just say hello. We're a listener-supported show, and I'd love to hear from you. A final thanks to my researchers, Dory Verbo and Rosa Marino. My producer, Maurizio Sanicola of Goldmine Records, and musicians Massimino Vozza and Luigi Falcioni. The next episode will be out soon. In the meantime, you can listen to more amazing episodes in the archives. Until then, have a great day.